Okay, so episode 44 with Naomi Teeter is about to start, and I'm really excited about this episode because uh, Naomi, just like myself, went through her own weight loss um, transformation, but she did it with over 100 pounds and kept it off, which is just absolutely nuts. And we dive into what went in with that, what she had to go through emotionally and physically, and she has an amazing story and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So hopefully you guys get something out of this. And again, please share this podcast, share the story, and let's get right into it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is Naomi Teeter. Say hello. Hello, Rafael. Hello, uh, listeners. I was going to say viewers, but listeners. <laughs> Um, so I always like to break the ice with every um, guest on the show by asking, uh, what do you have planned for the weekend? Actually, this weekend is super exciting. Um, kind of last minute, we planned a trip to Glacier National Park. So we're going to be, as soon as I get off this interview with you, we're going to be getting packed and ready to head out for the weekend and have ourselves a little adventure. <laughs> awesome. What's uh, what, what can you do at Glacier Park? Um, it's right now it's mostly hiking because, um, it's not really the season to go rafting or I think they even have the shuttles shut down right now and for the next two weeks and then they'll open up. Um, so really it's just hiking right now and enjoying and enjoying the scenery pretty much. Nice. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, so if you can tell the audience who you are, what you do and how did you get into this whole industry? Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, my name is Naomi Teeter. Um, my friends and some of my clients would consider me the goddess of weight loss strategy, which makes me blush. Um, I call myself um, a weight loss success story coach, which is just kind of a glorified uh, health coach. I um, used to work a lot one-on-one -on -one health coaching with clients. Um, but it got to the point that it was taking up a lot of time and energy and being an introvert. That is very important to me that I have the energy to make it through the day. So now I do a lot of, uh, programs. I've created a lot of programs and courses to help women who are, I would say significantly overweight, a uh, hundred pounds or more overweight to start making changes in their lives, start dropping the weight. I got into this, um, because of my own experience with, um, being a long-term weight loss maintainer. Um, I, I just saw that there was a need that wasn't being met. Um, like there isn't enough of the right voices helping the the women the woman out there that's been overweight her entire life and doesn't have somebody that she can relate to. Um, <laughs> I, I have there's so many clients that I've worked with. They're like, I just don't relate to certain people, and they just don't get it. So I I found that there was a a huge need for someone like me. And that's how I got into this industry, basically because I saw that the need wasn't being met. I lost my weight and I didn't become a health coach right away. I waited like, I want to say like four years before I ever really started considering it. So yeah, that's me and how I got into this. Awesome. So there's a couple of directions I want to go with this. Um, so you said you got into the health industry basically 
four years after you lost weight, what were you doing before? Like, did you have like a regular job or were you just kind of puttering around? (laughs) Yeah, I was just a regular old person. Um, after I lost weight, I went back to school, um, because I was a high school dropout. So, um, kind of losing the weight gave me the confidence to do that. And, uh, so I was in school full time working on a degree and that kind of propelled me to, um, quitting retail. I was working part-time as, um, an associate at Macy's and, um, I got offered a job as the library technician working for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which is a government agency, um, as, like I said, a library technician. And I was there probably about three years before um, I was, sadly enough, let go. The first time I've ever been let go from a job. But it was at that kind of point where I was already kind of dabbling in health coaching and was writing articles about my weight loss journey and had my website up and all that jazz. And once I earned my degree, they're like, okay, we're going to let you go because it was a temporary type of position. It was dependent on me being in school. So it was kind of like kismet. Like it was meant to be like, okay, it's now the end of this. It's a new chapter beginning as a health coach. So yeah, that's just a normal, um, I would say normal job before I got into health coaching. I like stories like that because it's interesting to see when people change their career completely like to a different <laughs> end of the spectrum and then they were like, oh, this is it. This is my passion. I'm like super excited <laughs> to do this, right? But um, oh, yeah, yeah it, it's just kind of cool to see that because I've had a couple people on the show that like had a government job for like 10 years <laughs> and they're like, I hate my life and now I'm going to go into this, right? Um, yeah. You know, like when I, when I started my weight loss journey, even beforehand, I always had this, like, I loved library science and that's what I was doing for the government is the library stuff. But then, you know, through the action of losing the weight and the experiences that come along with that and the journey that you go on, you develop a passion that's far greater for health and weight loss over, you know, cataloging books. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, And I think you mentioned something about, like, there wasn't the right voice out there in the industry. So I've been asking this a lot to a lot of um, my guests. Do you think there's some bad advice being given out there in the weight loss industry? I don't know if there's necessarily bad advice. I think there's bad, There maybe there's not enough caveats to go along with it or, um, prerequisites. So like for instance, not all advice is applicable for every person. Um, it's like the advice that I would give my weight loss clients isn't the same advice that I would give someone who is, let's say a stay at home mother of three who, only put on weight after having, you know, having babies, the advice is different. So I don't know if there's, I mean, unless it's just way, (laughs) way dramatic, um, way out there, like fad dieting advice. I really think for the most part, when it comes to the fitness and nutrition industry, the advice is good, but it needs more of a caveat. It needs to be directed at the right people to say, this advice is for this person and not for this person. That's the the biggest problem that I find with what's being said. Would you agree that that's true to some respect? Yeah, like um, I was bringing it up because I've seen coaches throughout the year where, you know, they've been fit their whole life. 
they applied a, mm-hmm. like a high level sport in college or high school and mm-hmm. they're like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to start training people because I like being fit. And then uh, they start training people that are basically general population, but every coach that they start, they think they're going to train pro athletes, which never happens, right? Um, and then they're training like, you know, Miss Jane or whatever that is a mom of three and then needs to lose 40 pounds. And there's this guy or girl that's been an athlete their whole life and they're frustrated that their client's not losing weight. And they're like, well, that person's just lazy. It's like, well... Maybe, or you don't really know what's actually going through because you never lost the weight yourself. And like personally, I went through my own weight loss um, transformation as well. And I just have a better, I don't know, I guess a connection with people because I've been through it. And Mm -hmm. I I can see it in my client's eyes when they're like struggling. And I'm like, oh, I've been there. I know what you're going through. Whereas, (laughs) yeah, other coaches that never even like lost five pounds. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Definitely get that because you have to know what to say to the person because you can ruin a person's experience with just saying the wrong thing. If you've never been through that before, you can just totally ruin their experience and they wait years, years, I mean, decades even, or maybe not even come back at all to try to get help again because of that one experience where they said the wrong thing. So yeah, completely agree. Yeah, cause I uh, remember I was training this one woman, but I was just doing her nutrition coaching and mm. her other coach was training her. And there was a moment where that coach, I was training her in person, was kind of fed up that she wasn't showing up enough at the gym. You know, like he was mm. saying that she's not putting 100% effort. She's always kind of putting excuses up there. And he mm. kind of like fired her. And I was like... <laughs> I I get where you're coming from, but there's obviously something going on in the client's life. And that's what I, like over the years, like I've had clients where, you know, they're really consistent and out of nowhere they disappear. And I'm like, where did you go? But then they come Mm -hmm. back and they're like, oh, I went through a divorce. Like I lost my house or like something big. Like obviously the person's going through something and I'm like, you need to figure out a way to get through to them and help them. Yeah, I'm just like laughing internally because that the person that's so eager to fire their clients without actually trying to understand what's going on really doesn't need to be working with people. I mean, that's yeah. just awful. That's just awful. Well, that's like the big thing right now. Like a lot of coaches have been talking about is like being like having empathy for your clients, right? Like we we like exercise. Like we're not normal people, right? Like. <laughs> Anytime I go to a hotel, the first thing I do is I'm going to check out the gym because I want to see yeah. if I'm going to have enough stuff to do something. Whereas other people are like, oh, I'm going to go to the bar and restaurant first, right? So mm-hmm. we've got to have to meet them halfway. That's kind of just my whole thing. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, so for the people who don't know, how much weight did you actually lose when you went through your whole uh, weight loss uh, journey? I lost... I would say, I always say 150 pounds, but it was like maybe 148 pounds. In <laughs> Just 11. round it up, yeah. I know, like when I first started the journey, honestly, I didn't even have a bathroom scale. So I just kind of had to go by um, what I started at at the gym, which was, um, I started going to the gym about a month after I really started, um, eating better and going on walks and stuff. But yeah, I lost around about 150 pounds in 11 months. And 
Um, it was difficult at first to keep off because as any weight loss maintainer or even somebody that's lost a drastic amount of weight will tell you it's, it's a lot different keeping it off versus, um, losing it. So I started to gain weight back it. And then, so I yo-yoed for a few years after that, which is another reason why there was no need to coach people if I couldn't get my own shit together. <laughs> so, um, I yo-yoed for a little bit, just, you know, about 20 to 30 pounds here and there. And I have, I, I always tell people now that I've kept about 125 off cause it still fluctuates, you know, five or 10 pounds or 15 pounds if it's the holidays and you know, summer you're more active outside and whatnot. So, um, long story short, 150 pounds in 11 months and then maintained 125 of that for almost eight years now. Man, that's awesome. Um, did you ever try like different diets throughout to get to where you are? <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> awesome. I, I don't know of a single person that hasn't tried at least that like, or that got it right on the first try. Um, yeah, I, I tried a lot of fad diets. I come from a family of extremely obese people and I watched my mom diet all of the time. Um, specifically like the Atkins diet and lower carb diets and doing, uh, slim fast shakes and, weird apple cider, apple cider vinegar drinks. It was just, you know, the craziest stupid crap like gimmicks that, you know, left you starving, but, you know, also didn't incorporate any fitness or exercise. So it was like, you give up after two weeks or maybe not even that long. Um, never did anything like Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig, uh, because my family was honestly very poor. So we just did what we could. Uh, so yeah, I tried a lot and I gave up quite a bit. I, um, when I said gave up, I just failed a lot and gave up on myself. So, yeah. So now if you had a client come up to you that you've been working with for a couple months and they're like, Oh, I'm going to do this diet. What do you think? Like, what's your kind of like initial response or thought process? Hmm. Well, it definitely depends on the diet. Like if it is a diet or, um, like, let's say if it was paleo or whole 30 versus, um, keto, like to me, ketogenic is a little more of a fad. Well, I guess they're all kind of fads, but <laughs> I think it depends on the, where the person's at with their health and what kind of progress they've already made. Like if they haven't made any progress, like very little progress with me, I would kind of discourage them from doing that. But if they've really actually made progress and they're learning all kinds of new stuff and actually implementing it, then I might be more on board with it. It depends on, you know, where they're at and what exactly what diet or, um, lifestyle meal plan change they're going for. Yeah. Like this past year, I kind of changed my view on this a little bit because mm. in the past it's like, clients are already frustrated that they're not losing weight and like they're seeing you all the time and you're educating them the best you can. And then they come to you and you're like, I'm going to do this two week cleanse. What do you think? And then in your head, you're like, my God, come on. I've been telling you like, this is not the way. 
but yeah, but you didn't say cleanse or detox. Sure. Now, if you had told me that, then I would say I would roll my eyes and tell them, please don't. <laughs> but then I would also probably ask them, okay, why are you doing, why would you be doing the cleanse or the detox? Because you're coming to me for weight loss help. And if you're doing that for weight loss, I'm definitely going to discourage it. But if you're doing it because you have like some rashes on your body or something like an autoimmune problem, then I would say, well, let's look into it. Yeah, because like recently I had a couple clients who did that in the past. So I'm just like, yeah, discourage it. I'm like, no, that's not a good idea. You're going to basically just lose a lot of water weight. You're going to lose your muscle mass. You're going to come back to normal eating, bloat up, Mm -hmm. and you're going to be frustrated. But like looking back at it, when the client comes to you and said, I'm doing this diet or cleanse, they've already made up their mind. And no matter like how much you educate them, they're just going to be like, I'm going to do it anyway. So I think, well, I think that depends on how much they trust you also though. So I was like wondering if it's one of those things, because like a lot of people say, you know, if you have failure in your life, eventually you'll see success. So I was trying to figure out maybe this is one of the ways that people need to do it. Because I had another person on my show that said for weight loss, it's kind of like quitting smoking. It's not going to happen the first try. It's probably going to happen on try number six or seven. And I was like trying to like connect like why clients want to try all these different diets, man. Like maybe they're frustrated. Maybe like, you know, the marketing was so good that they made themselves believe that they could be successful if they did this. Oh yeah. I agree that. So I've been like experimenting almost with like clients. I'm like, sure, do this two week flush or whatever the hell it's called. But what Mm -hmm. are we doing on day 15 to make sure that it doesn't come back? And I've had one client where it actually worked that it was actually the one kind of like little thing that pushed them in the right direction and they wanted to keep good habits. Nice. But again, it's, that was the one person out of like how many people I've trained in the years. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot goes into that. I don't think that there's a set number of times that a person has to fail before they actually succeed. I think that the, it's, it's like the right circum- circumstances kind of have to all fall into place for you to succeed. Like I'm all for failure. I think that failure is, um, necessary, to, um, to, to succeed because, um, you don't learn necessarily if you do it right the first time you, you aren't getting the same experience. I think that it's our perception of failure, like seeing it, seeing it as more of a learning experience, seeing it is that, that best teacher possible and then getting back up and trying again. But the, the circumstances almost have to be aligned for that to turn into a success. Like you have to be in the right frame of mind when you're going on this detox or whatever. Again, you have to be very self-aware, which a lot of people are not. (laughs) And, um, it's almost like you have to have a breakthrough moment, like, um, one of those aha, uh, epiphany moments in order to, to get success from all of those little failures to understand, okay, what made this time different versus all the other times. So you have to be open, um, to the idea that you're probably going to fail anyways and what you're going to learn from it. And that creates that self-awareness in my opinion. So yeah, I agree that if, if a person wants to go on a detox and they've tried 15 other times before this time, if they're actually more self-aware and they're, ready to look and see 
what what's working differently this time, then yeah, I'm all for it. As long as it doesn't drastically affect their health um, negatively. Have you ever seen with your clients if they've done like diets or cleanses and they've done the four weeks or two weeks or however long it is, but they develop a, like a really bad relationship with food? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, um, I worked, I've worked with a lot of women in my programs who have, um, I would say orthorexia. Um, and I see it because I developed it myself, um, after losing weight, <laughs> strangely enough, I started developing eating disorders after I lost all my weight and was kind of struggling to keep it off. Um, I see that when, you know, like if they go on a juice cleanse, for instance, and you're going into the grocery store and you're just buying fruits and vegetables and that's all you have in your cart and you're looking around at other people's carts and all of a sudden you think that you're just so much better than all of these other people. Um, I've heard a lot of stories like that from people. So I think that you have to really check in with your ego when you're doing a detox or a cleanse because a lot of people think that this is the right way. This is the morally correct way to eat. And yeah, you see that a lot with veganism as well. So it's, it's scary. Yeah. Like that's what I'm trying to teach my clients is like, you should have a good relationship with food. Like you should enjoy it. It shouldn't just be boiled chicken breast and brown rice and broccoli every day. Right. Like yeah. you, you need to enjoy it and not feel <clears throat> like, oh, I can't have this ever. I'm never allowed to eat this. And it just like plays tricks in your brain and then you start craving crap even more and then everything just falls off the rails. Oh, yeah. That that happened to me quite a few times after losing all of the weight. You get, you get to the place where you are labeling your foods good foods and bad foods. And, and then, you know, because you're digesting those foods, because you're eating them, you're taking them, and they become part of you, then you start feeling like, you know by association or whatever, by consuming those that you're a bad person. If you have that unicorn frappuccino that's out there right now, like that is like, the, that's essentially what you're talking about right now. It's like some people are like all for the unicorn frappuccino because they just love everything unicorn and they think it's cool and it's the new popular thing. But then there's the health coaches out there like myself. Um, some of them that clearly have orthorexia kind of eating disorders themselves talking about how terrible it is for you and all of the chemicals that are in it. And yes, that's true. But at some point you have to live your life and maybe settle for like the mini size Frappuccino just so that you can experience what everybody else is experiencing. It doesn't mean that you have it every day. It's just that you can work that into your weight loss journey or your journey to better fitness or whatever. Yeah, I couldn't believe how, like, big that thing got. Like, I was looking through my Facebook feed, and all these health coaches and trainers were just, like, bashing it. I was like, yeah. I should just go to Starbucks right now and buy one <laughs> and post a selfie and be like, fuck you guys. Like, I don't care, <laughs> right? But it, it's so funny when people, like, little things like that will waste their time on Facebook when they could be servicing their clients better. But that's a, that's a little yes. tangent. But I, I totally agree. <laughs> Um, where was I going to go with this? Um, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. What's your kind of take on nutrition? Like, what do you teach your clients? Like, do you follow like a habit approach, <laughs> macros, calorie tracking? Like, what's your thing? Well, you know, it all depends on the client themselves. Um, 
I was trained, I hate to say it, but like kind of with the my plate slash food pyramid um, slash, you know, government, you know, what the government dishes out as far as um, nutritional counseling is concerned, um, just got my certification and said, OK, I'm ready to go. Um but I don't, I don't prescribe that to people because every single person is different. And even, even biochemically, um, nutrients react differently in every person's body. They really do. And it also, I, I take a psychological approach. What's the relationship the person already has with food? Chances are it's a shitty relationship with food if they're coming to me and they're looking to lose over 100 pounds um, so I look at the relationship that they're having with the food. I usually prescribe um, um, a calorie range rather than a macronutrient range just because people already have so much that they're dealing with on a daily basis that's stressing them out and creating overthinking and worry that the last thing they need to do is also be looking at their macronutrients because, you know, I'm not dealing with people that are trying to be bodybuilders or triathletes. I'm dealing with women who just want to start feeling good again. They want to be able to get out of bed without feeling like the world's weighing them down. So, um, I definitely prescribe, um, certain calorie ranges based on their weight, their activity level, their age, so on and so forth. And, um, the most important part is just being really honest with what they're eating. And I know that was really important for me on my journey when I started out was getting real with what I was eating and how much of it. Um, because yeah, we all lie to ourselves about that. So I always recommend doing some food journaling on their, their iPhone or Google phone or whatever there is out there. And, um, starting there and then doing the calorie counting. And then once they get used to that, then obviously moving on when they feel comfortable with that and they're not feeling, um, I don't know, feeling the words on the tip of my tongue when they're not feeling like rebellious, I guess, against tracking their food when they can actually get into it and kind of make it a game a little bit and and it becomes a habit. Then we work on the macros and pinpointing, um, what foods might be causing issues for them. So that's my take on it. Okay. Yeah. Like when clients or people online ask me about my nutrition coaching and they kind of want to like, Oh, so how do you coach? And I'm like, it's kind of a loaded question because it really depends on the person. Like if it's a brand new person, then we can just focus on basics and it's going to like change your life drastically. Or if it's been a person that's been calorie tracking for 10 years and still hasn't lost weight, I'm like, well, maybe calorie tracking is not the best way for you. Or there's someone that like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And like every week you check in and they're doing it and crushing it. So it's really, it's like you kind of have to almost gauge the person, like what their background is, and then kind of develop a plan that way. Exactly. You know, when I do coaching with people, um, when I used to do a lot more of it, and even in my programs, I have my clients take a personality assessment, first of all, to see what their their perspective and outlook on the world is, because that's going to tell you a lot about how they're going to be able to follow rules or not follow rules and how they're going to follow through and make this happen, because every single person is going to have a different way of eating or exercising or self-care 
that's enjoyable to them. So that's kind of the take that I see or I do because so many people are so focused on the rules of exercise and nutrition that we're not focusing enough on the client and what they actually need. Instead, we're still trying to, you know, get our perfect formula right and then pushing that on people. We need to really look at them first. Oh, definitely. Um, I was going to ask, like, what was kind of your tipping point where you decided, like, okay, this is it. This is my one chance that I'm going to lose all my weight. And it just kind of, all the pieces kind of just fell in the right place for you. Like, what was that moment for you? Hmm. Well, it, it was a gradual progression, really. Okay. Being super honest about it. Um, I grew up overweight my entire life. Um, it was, it took, it took a, a series of events. Like there was this one day I was sitting in my home alone and I was watching Oprah and the cast of the secret were on Oprah. And I was inspired by, um, their stories of adversity. I, I hadn't heard a whole lot of stories of people overcoming things and none of it was to do with weight loss. It was more like, um, just, just crap that people had to go through in life and hearing that they came out a success story. You know, that was like my first spark of epiphany, aha moment, as Oprah would say, that I was like, okay, if they can do it, I can change. Because when you don't have positive examples in your life of what transformation looks like, you just don't know what's possible. So that was kind of like the spark then I realized, oh, I have to get out of the environment that I'm in because our environment plays a huge role in our health and, and our beliefs. And I was surrounded by my family who were all morbidly obese, who were all, um, I, I don't like to bad talk, but it just was not a good environment. I had to get out of there. So I saved up money and moved myself across the country, um, it's a 24 hour drive up here to Spokane where I didn't know anybody when I moved up here. I didn't have a job lined up. Um, I barely had a place to live and I started my life over again. And, you know, even then it wasn't enough for me to start my weight loss journey. It was getting in the right environment. It was getting, surrounding myself with better people. But then, um, I, unfortunately, um, <laughs> this is a story that I just recently shared on social media, but um, this was kind of the the last straw moment was I found myself pregnant um, and I never thought it would happen to me, but I had to have an abortion. And it was my first time going to the doctor as an adult um, at 25 years old. I had never been to a doctor before because I was so embarrassed of my body and my health and just what I looked like that I didn't want that judgment from a doctor because you hear the horror stories of, well, my doctor said this, that, or the other about me. So I didn't want to put up with that, but I found myself in a doctor's office at an abortion clinic. And, um, that was kind of the last straw for me for changing my life around and really getting my shit together. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, it took it took all of those things for it to finally happen. But, you know, it was acknowledging the shame um, that I didn't want to be in that place anymore. I didn't want to be that type of person anymore to make it happen. Because, you know, like, 
nobody will change if they're comfortable. You have to get to the place where uh, it's so painful in your life that the the idea of change or change itself is that actually sounds a lot better than where you're at right now. So, yeah, that was kind of my tipping point. Well, first of all, I just want to, like, thank you for sharing that, like, such a vulnerable story. And I think that's super important because you go on Instagram and everybody's posting, like, perfect pictures about themselves and never anything where they don't look the greatest in certain lighting or if they're sitting down in a bikini and they have the rolls like everyone does. Like, and I think people like to see that because they're like, oh, this person's just like me. And they'll move towards whatever you're doing. But there's too many, like so-called coaches on Instagram that are shredded to bits and they'll find the perfect lighting underneath them, perfect filter, and then people just flock to them, but they're not even giving any value. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's really sad for them because and the way that I look at it is that I'm doing, I'm speaking out about this for other people, but I'm also speaking out about this for myself because you know, when you own up to your vulnerabilities and the shame that you've felt about yourself and you throw it out there and you own it, you can forgive yourself and move on. I don't have to react in weird ways anymore about certain topics like, uh, like abortion or like PTSD or any other thing else, anything else that is, you know, connected to me. I don't have to react and get angry anymore about those things. And and if and if the perfect coaches out there that have the fit bodies and everything and they're all they're doing is posting pictures of themselves working out and their perfect salad and they don't want to share anything else, that's fine. Um, you know, maybe they've done their own inner work, but um, you know, I I'm sharing this stuff for myself as just as much as sharing it for other people. So hopefully the per- perfect coaches out there if if uh if they're struggling with this stuff as well, maybe they'll eventually get to the point where they're like, okay, I've got to share this. So, yeah. What do you think about, um, like, I think this is probably a topic like maybe eight years ago where everyone was saying, do you think a personal trainer or a health coach should have a six pack or be really, really, really fit in order to train their clients? I think it depends on the person. I I think it depends on the client. Um, I think there is um, a need for everybody of every size, of every nationality, every personality. Um, It definitely depends a lot on the client. A lot of people, unfortunately, are very um, vain when they they see something that they other someone else has and they want. they'll go after that, the six pack abs, they'll go to that person. But that person, that that person that's flocking to the six pack abs person isn't my person. They're not my, I guess we would consider it our ideal client avatar. That is not my person. My person knows that she, she probably isn't going to get six pack abs. Um, what she wants is just to start feeling better and looking better in her jeans, but, um, you know, and doing things that she's never been able to do before. Like maybe I, I try to walk the walk, 
I try my best, but I'm never going to have six pack abs. But you know what? A lot of people that have six pack abs will not run a naked 5k like I did. So, you know, it depends on the client. If they want to be able to be free enough and confident enough to do things and not care as much as what they think, what, what, uh, they look like rather then cool. I think that you don't have to be a certain size or look a certain way to coach people. And, um, you know, a lot of those coaches that do look perfect are very egotistical and they don't care about their client as much as they care about themselves. Oh, I mean, that's a, that's a generalization, but in a lot of cases it's true. By the way, if a naked 5k, that's badass. <laughs> that's so badass. Were you also yeah. wearing, like, you should have wore, like, sunglasses, too, or, like, something random uh, like that. <laughs> well, there were a lot of people wearing sunglasses. I did wear sunglasses because it is, you know, when you're wearing sunglasses, you kind of, it's kind of like wearing a mask. Like, nobody can see your vulnerability, you know, kind of, when they can't see you in the eye. So I did wear sunglasses for my first time around. Um, the second time I went back to the nudist ranch and did about 10 miles of hiking, um, I wore I didn't wear sunglasses. When I go back, I hope to not wear sunglasses. So I'm still kind of removing the the veil of uh, protection <laughs> and getting more and more vulnerable. But uh, yeah, it was an experience. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could ever do that. I just feel like too many things would be like jiggling up and down. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's that, kind of the fun part of it. <laughs> well, yeah, that is the case. My personality, I like to know like what's about to go down before I do it. I have to, ha I have to know everything. So of course, I trained on my treadmill and heard all of the noises that my body made and where my back. And I was like, yeah, this is this is gonna be awful. <laughs> but it wasn't that bad. So <laughs> see, I would be worried about like chafing on my inner thighs because I have like big, big legs, and I was like. Yeah. That's the first thought that came in my head. I'm like, the chafing would hurt. It, it does happen, yes. It, you uh, get some body glide out there and yeah. just keep reapplying. <laughs> nice. Um, so I was also going to bring up, because when I interviewed Kelly Coffey, she was the one that actually went through um, surgery to lose her weight mm -hmm. first. And I know with a lot of people who have... Um, like a weight loss over usually 100 pounds, they'll have like excess skin and things like that. Would you ever yeah. consider doing plastic surgery to like, I don't know, flatten out or have better definition? I don't know how you would describe it. Um, well, I thought about it a long time ago. Um, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you that I wasn't, I was upset after I lost 150 pounds that I put in so much work and I didn't have that fitness model's body that I stupidly thought I was going to have. <laughs> um, uh, the before and after pictures people show you are often false. They often have that surgery, the tummy tucks and stuff, but they don't tell you that. Um, so I couldn't afford the surgery. And I also was under the understanding that you should probably wait a year or two after weight loss to, um, have any sort of, uh, plastic surgery just to make sure that you're going to actually keep the weight off. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll wait. You know, that, that sounds reasonable. And as time went on, um, 
my husband and I were trying to start a family there for a little while. And I was like, well, you know, it makes no sense to have a tummy tuck if you're going to get pregnant. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll wait again. And then as time went on and as I became a health coach and, um, kind of got more and more into the body positive, posit- the body positivity movement, I realized having surgery, um, wasn't going to help anything for me personally. Um, I was always already at the point where I kind of accepted the loose skin. I didn't look in the mirror every day and cuss myself out. Um, I wasn't disgusted by my, my loose skin. It doesn't hold me back from doing anything. You know, it didn't cause any excess chafing or anything like that. Like when I was running naked, for instance. Um, so kind of as a health coach and just being a role model for other women right now, um, I would never have it because I feel like it's false advertising. Uh, I don't want to have to tell every single, in every single social media post and every single blog post that I put out, by the way, I had a tummy tuck. You will not look like this after you lose weight. I want to be real and show them these are my stretch marks. This is the cellulite on my ass. This is the, these are the flaps of skin on my belly. Um, and it's not desirable, desirable for a lot of people to see, they don't want to look like that. And that will push people in another direction and that's fine, but I'd rather be honest than lie. Now, on the other hand, if I wasn't a health coach and wasn't teaching weight loss to people, I might have had surgery, um, not for the sake of, not liking where I'm at right now, as far as like what I look like, but it might be better to be able to fit into smaller clothes and my proportions be a little bit better. Um, but you know, I, I'm not going to rule it out completely. Like, you know, 20 years from now I might have surgery, but as it stands right now, I don't want it, um, because of what I do. And, um, I'm okay without it. So yeah, I, if other people, if other women, I have no judgment against other women doing it. Um, but I feel like there are better ways to go about loving your body and loving yourself first and then having the surgery. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Cause, um, I've talked on this show a couple of times. I've had two examples of clients, um, getting plastic surgery and it's kind of interesting to me. Like one, it's majority always women and mm-hmm. one that got uh, some plastic surgery. She was so happy and with the whole process and she has no regrets whereas the other one almost felt the pressure to get plastic surgery done because you know she had a couple kids and she was really frustrated with her body she was Mm -hmm. working out but she's like I want to look the way I was before kids there you go see that's the difference um she she looked differently before she had kids whereas me I've always been overweight (laughs) I've always been yeah. fat. I've never been thin. So I think that's a different experience, definitely. It's just interesting that um, women always have this, like, pressure that they need to look a certain way, mm. whereas guys are just like, oh, what if I'm going to get a bigger belly, whatever, right? Like, <laughs> I, 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 just, yeah. I was going to say, that's a generalization because my yeah. husband very vain. He loves his appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, I, I think, it yeah, it depends on the person. Like, personally for me, like, because I lost weight, I constantly still in my head think I'm fat, but I'm not, yeah. right? It's just, like, a weird thing that's, like, in the back of your head. And anytime I, like, 
bring that up or say it out loud, my wife goes, then if you're fat, then I'm a whale. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not a whale, <laughs> right? Like, so it, it's just strange how our, like, minds can jump to those, like, conclusions or think that way even. And yeah. it kind of also ties in with, like, the whole body image thing. And I was going to ask you, like, how do you coach your women clients to kind of overcome body image if they even can? Oh, that's a good question. I don't usually do a lot of coaching when it comes to body image itself. Um, I believe that it starts with loving who you are, not your body. Um, because a lot of how we see our body is, you know, is the result of internal shit that we need to deal with. So I usually will run my clients, um, through some self-care and self-compassion, um, activities, um, for a little while, um, practice that as far as learning to love their bodies. I'm really not the coach for that. I try to lead by example and say, Hey, there's, you know, a few things that you could do to start loving your body. Like I ran a naked 5k, for instance, I wouldn't say go that far, but you know, go to the beach with your swimsuit on. Don't wait till you're thin or, um, start changing in the locker room at your gym. Um, but I don't have like a proven formula or, you know, set, set amount of steps that I put people through to start, um, seeing progress with just their body dysmorphia, if that's what it is, or just the general discomfort of what they look like. So, yeah. Yeah. I just find it sad when like, when I especially train my female clients and they're like, Oh, I'm just so fat. And like this jiggles and this doesn't look good. And, but they're actually like fit. And I'm like, no, you look amazing. Like, where is this coming from? And with one example of one of my clients, I know at her household, the husband's not that supportive. And like you mentioned earlier, like your social support, like that's huge. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming home every day and your spouse is, or whoever you're living with, is not, you know, excited that you're trying to get healthy and, they're just kind of almost like bringing you down. Like that's a huge, yeah. huge obstacle to get over. It's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I'm actually in the middle of writing an article of how to support your wife or girlfriend on our weight loss journey. And that's definitely one of the things is that you don't focus on the weight loss itself and you don't focus on their looks. You're focusing on how you can be there with them, supporting them and doing the same actions and finding the joy in the whole process. It's when we, when we focus on comparing ourselves to other women and, um, you know, just the airbrushed bullshit. Um, and then the husbands fall victim to it too, as well. That's a recipe for disaster. Oh, big time. Um, what, what do you think is the kind of the best approach if, you know, a person is like, okay, I want to lose weight. I need to set myself up and they have to go talk to their husband or wife that this is their goal and they just need them for support, like what's kind of the best way to approach them without making them feel that they need to change as well? Um, well, I guess for the most part, starting out with, you don't need to change as much, you know, yeah. you don't need to change. You first make that clear to them because we all need to know every single one of us needs to know what's in it for us. I hate to say it. Um, but even the most mother Teresa like person out there, they need to know what's in it for them when they're going to be supporting you. And so you need to make that clear that this is what I would expect from you. 
um, this, this might be a certain area that you might have to change in a little bit. Uh, I think there is definitely going to be a little bit of give and take. Um, some people would call them sacrifices. Um, I wouldn't consider it that it's just, you have to work your current lifestyle a little bit more into a healthy lifestyle. And it's, it's a matter of like the consistency in which you were doing things before needs to change. So your partner is going to have to realize that like, you might actually want them to go on walks with you. So you'd say, Hey, um, would you mind going on a walk with me once a week? Instead of like, I, unfortunately I'll, I'll own up to this. I was very demanding, on my, at the beginning of my weight loss journey, my personality was shitty. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a control freak just in general, but I was very controlling of my boyfriend at the time and demanded certain things. And he just kind of went along with it because, um, he, um, has schizophrenia and he just doesn't care too much about, he doesn't have a lot of emotions about things. So he went along with it, which was great for me, but for any other individual out there that, um, is not dealing with schizophrenia or, you know, um, somebody that's just very passive, they're going to have a problem with being told what to do. So you definitely need to, um, have some sort of agreement and, um, let them know that they, they have a choice in this. Um, definitely (laughs) it's not all or nothing. It's not, um, it's all going to be one way or no way. There has to be some, some middle ground, some give and take. So yeah, make that clear that, um, they, what, what your expectations are. And if, if you don't want them to be a part of your weight loss journey, then let them know, but chances are good. They're going to be a part of it. They're going to be there to support you in some way. So, yeah. Oh, that's a, that's good advice. I like that. Um, now, if you had to give advice to your younger self, kind of like right when you realize like, man, I'm overweight and this is an issue, <laughs> what would you tell your younger self? Oh, God. Um, well, that that's hard because I realized I was overweight when I was in second grade when the neighbor boy called me Miss Piggy. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I thought it was cute at the time because I loved Miss Piggy, but then I realized a little bit later it was an insult. (laughs) Um, So um, I don't know if I would give advice to my younger self at that point because, you know, when you're a little kid, you just don't understand how things work. And honestly, my family dynamic and my environment was not conducive to doing any sort of change as far as my health or my eating or even my fitness was concerned. Although my fitness, I could have probably been like, Hey, you could have ran more out in the country. You could have rode your bicycle more, whatever. Um, but as far as the eating is concerned, it would not have changed. Um, there's nothing that I could have said to prevent my weight gain. Let's just put it that way. There's nothing that with the circumstances that were going on in my life, nothing would have prevented it unless I had a different upbringing. So, um, but I definitely could have, you know, going back in my twenties, you know, when I'm an adult, um, or even, um, in my late teens, when I was first married with my first husband at 20, I could have went back and said, Hey, you could try this diet or try this different way of eating and exercising. Um, 
but I would have needed the right person to tell me that. And if that right person is me, like I would have loved to have somebody like me in my life back then, somebody that was a weight loss success story. I definitely would have listened to that person. Um, but you know, like I said, I tried so many things in the past, like even, uh, checking out books from the library on, on fitness and trying to mimic the diagrams in those books. It just didn't work. So, um, I would have needed someone like me to say something. And I think I would have said, um, keep trying. Um, so many people say, um, not to try What's that Yoda quote, don't try. There is no try. There's only do. Yeah. Um, I would have, I would have said, no, you keep trying. I don't care what the hell you do. You just keep trying and don't give up because the more you try, the more you're doing stuff, the more you're finding out what's not working, what is working. And eventually something will work as long as you're consistent with it. So that's what I would have told myself if, if that advice had come from me or another, you know, weight loss success story type person. No, that's really good. Cause like it's just strange. People have this idea that when they're going to start their weight loss journey or start eating better, it has to be perfect from day one. Mm. And I'm like, that's a really high expectation. It's like, it, like losing weight is a skill. Like you need to learn how to do it properly to keep it off. So when yeah. I talk to clients, I'm like, it would be like equivalent to you trying hockey for the first time in your life <laughs> and expecting you to be playing in the NHL. Like it's going to take some time. And they're like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. I'm like, exactly, right? Like, it's you're not going to, like, wake up tomorrow. I'm like, all right, all my meals are prepped. I'm going to eat perfectly. I'm not going to cheat or anything like that. And it's going to be smooth sailing. I'm like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> no. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, what was I going to get to? Have you changed your mind lately at all in anything to do with fitness and nutrition in the last, like, say, two years? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I, I don't think I've changed any of my opinions when it comes to either of those things. Now that I really think about it, like, I feel like there's something for everyone when it comes to fitness and there's something for everyone when it comes to nutrition. The only thing that I see as a problem are the, um, we focus too much on the proven methods, um, even the scientifically backed, you know, proven methods like the metabolic stuff that will burn fat faster or the foods that you're supposed to eat at certain times to get the best results. Um, I think all of that is great, but I think that there's still just too much focus on it. If for, for the individual that has a hundred or so pounds to lose, for instance, and have been overweight their entire lives. Now for other people, um, that are just looking to lose 20 pounds or they're looking to get in the best shape of their lives and they've always been, you know, somewhat fit, then that's great. So I guess that would be my only real, real change in my perspective of um, fitness and nutrition is that um, I think there's just a little too much gimmicky selling and marketing of these things and too much focus on proven techniques instead we need to focus on more on why the person keeps fucking up like why why they keep going back to their old ways what's preventing them from seeing success um you know just their their negative thought patterns their i guess the woo woo people would call them blocks you know what's blocking them 
um, it's chances are good. It's not exactly what they're eating or what they're not doing with exercise. It's what's going on in their head. So that's, I guess my biggest change would be that. Okay. Now, like I've been asking this question with some of my guests because you know, everyone in the whole world, like it almost seems like people are always gaining weight. They always need help. And like, do you think the fitness industry is doing enough to reach all these people? Or is there some sort of block for us as a professional to reach those like general population? Hmm. Cause like one, like you look at like all those gimmicky, like shake weights or diets, they have such a good marketing, like way of thinking to get those people. And like you look at the shake weight, it was the most sold item on TV in history. And I'm like, okay, people are either buying it because it's really stupid or because they think it actually works. Right. So like how can fitness professionals get to that level of reaching so many people and then bring them in to actually help them. Well, it's a loaded if, question. If that, <laughs> yeah, I was say, if that's what you're getting at, then they definitely have to get better at their marketing. <laughs> if that's if that's what they want to do, it's definitely marketing yourself, um, knowing what you know, narrowing in on your niche, what your person wants, like what their deepest desires are, what their strongest fears are, what exactly they need, because every single person is different, and you can't you can't expect to speak to everyone you know, a very general message out to everyone and then expect to actually get anybody coming to you. Um, that's how I started out as health coaching. I learned that the hard way is that when you aren't pushing people's hot buttons and when you're not saying anything that's not even remotely controversial, no one's coming to you. But when you know the fears of your, your niche and you know, basically like they think that you're hiding out in their closet in their bedroom. Like how the fuck does she know this stuff about me? When you're getting to that good in your marketing, then you're definitely helping people more and bringing them in and getting them to discover, Oh, it's not just about what I eat or how I exercise. I actually have to build some habits. Oh, I have to let lay the, the groundwork first. I have to have this set base of habits and whatnot before I can actually get to dropping that massive amount of weight. And then they start discovering other, um, self-awareness stuff that they didn't even know existed, but (laughs) there's a lot of marketing to get to that point. I don't know if that's what you were trying to get at or not. No, that makes sense. Like, I think a good example of who's doing really well with marketing to the general population is a guy named Jordan Syatt. I don't know if you follow him or anything, but the last like maybe six months, he's been producing a lot of videos on Facebook about like, you know, let's say the whole myth about women lifting heavy and they're going to become a, the Hulk or something like that. And he'll uh-huh. like, he's actually hired. Like I, uh, I talked with him a couple months back when he came into Vancouver and he mm-hmm. said he actually hired a full media team to film all of his videos, edit all the videos so he can produce them at like a high rate. And yeah. it's really good content. And, uh, I think one of his videos went viral and he had like close to 6 million views. And I'm wow. like, that's awesome. Like you're killing it. <laughs> And to like further that marketing, he's putting like a lot of his money into Facebook ads to reach more people. And it's not like, come train with me at blah, 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 blah. It's just good content of giving people value to learn like, oh, 
these diets are not good for me or this this is like a kind of exercise I can do to get better at pull-ups like actual good information I'm like man you are killing it I wish I had money to do that right but at least some, <laughs> at least someone's doing it rather than seeing you know Tracy Anderson post something online and everyone shares that <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know either of those people, but I get tired of seeing all of the um, just a woman in bright pink or purple yeah. doing <laughs> freaking sit ups and crunches and just, you know, bullshit stuff in front of a TV type of thing. Like, I'm sure that that serves her audience and they're. I'm not even going to go there. But anyways, <laughs> you have, what I'm learning over the years is that you have to get really good at knowing, once again, what your niche market needs to hear from you. They, they have to relate to you. And they also, um, you have to convey the message in a way that gets them to take action. And I'm, you know, I'm still working on this myself by all means. It's going to, I think it's a lifelong process of marketing to the right people. And I think as, health professionals. Yeah. That's what a lot of us are not doing very well. Those of us that, you know, only have like a few hundred followers or whatever, but like big box gyms, they're doing it real well. They're, they're marketing to the right people. We just had a gym open up in the hood of my city and and they're offering $10 memberships because you know, that's their market out there. It's these are low income people. They need to lose weight for generally speaking, but they also don't have a lot of money. So 10 bucks. Great. So unfortunately for myself, when I started out health coaching, um, well, not really when I started out, it was more like about a year. No, it was about two years ago. Um, when I did my first program with people, I, um, priced it way too high. And, um, that's one way that we're not marketing correctly. We have to know like even people's financial states, you know, what they feel comfortable with paying and what they don't. Otherwise, if you price something extremely high, you're, yeah, you're going to have to have copywriters on your staff and you're going to have to have all of those media people working around the clock for you to get that price. So, um, it's, it's, uh, when you get to that place, it's great. But when you're starting out like, um, me or you, it's, <laughs> it's hard. It sucks. Yeah, it's, it's a grind for sure. <laughs> um, so very last question. Cause we're already at an hour. Um, oh. it, it goes by so fast all the yeah. time. Um, where can people find you online? Do you have any projects coming up? Speaking engagements, whatever, go plug away. Oh, okay. Um, well, everybody can find me at uh, my website. You can go to naomiteeter.com or um, theinspiredtransformation.com. I'm on all of social media as um, one of those things, Inspired Transformation or Naomi Teeter, one of the two. Um, I have an upcoming five-day boot camp, totally free online, where I kind of dissect um, – my 150 pound weight loss that I did in 11 months. So it's five days of going over step by step what I did, kind of looking over my shoulder with what I did with food, how I handled stress, how I actually made myself enjoy working out, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, five days of it. So it's very thorough, very intense. Um, people can find that at 
Um, InspireTransformationAcademy.com slash bootcamp. That starts May 15th through the 19th. Um, there's replays available of that. So if they miss it, they can't attend at that time, they'll be sent to a 24-hour replay. And um, I think that's it for now. I'm always having something, something free going out, whether it's a webinar or a guide of some sort. So, yeah, definitely check my out, check out the website. Awesome. So I just want to thank you for all your time. This was amazing. Well, thank you, Raphael. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 44 with Naomi. Hopefully you guys really liked her story. It's really inspirational, and if you have any more questions for her, please feel free to reach out to her on social media or her website or whatever it need be. And again, I'm going to ask you guys to share this podcast. I just need help reaching more people so I can help educate everyone out there in the world with great information with top industry professionals. And if you have any questions for me, email me at rafael at empowerhp.ca and hit me up on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.